0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. So if you will go to the book of Malachi, chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. And we have been studying the real truth about the tithe. Don't act like it's something you've heard before. Don't act like, oh, okay, this is it. Oh, now I know. No. Your God is saying, act like you've never heard it before so you can hear it and that you can do it. So so maybe you've heard it before, but God say, now I want you to do it. So now it's something different. Amen. In Malachi chapter 3 beginning at verse 6 it says for i am the lord i change not therefore ye sons of jacob are not consumed verse 10 bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there might be meat in that there that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith saith the lord of hosts if i will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. So we're dealing with the real truth about tithe. Sometimes this question about the tithe is agonizing even for the most strongest believer. And so we want to answer those questions. Let me state right here that this particular teaching is not really for people that don't tithe. This is really for the tither. This is for, for you can understand it better, better, because see, a lot of times you say, well, I'm a tither, I really don't need... No, this is really for the tither. It's not, again, it's not really meant for the non-tither. This is for the non-tither, just need to get with it and tie, But this is things that you need to balance out as a person that's not at that tithe so that you can understand the full benefits of the tithe. What has prompted us... To develop this ministry, I mean this uh, message in the first place is because of the lack of benefits that you see among believers that do tithe. And very few believers understand the tithe. Very few. It's just like that narrow road where few that be that find it and wide is the road that leads to destruction or wide is the road that people that have a misunderstanding or, you know, many go therein. It's, just, it's very few believers that truly understand the tithe. So we want to understand and we want to receive the full benefits of the, the tithe. And because of that, we, you know, we want to find out is it just dropping the envelope in the bucket or dropping the envelope in the offering? In place it you know and just saying our tithe can you get a benefit from that just doing that or is it or is it more we need to understand that tithe is a principle and we, we we've talked about it. it's a principle that principle that governs it and we understand that that principle is sow and reap now tithing is not sow and reap but of course it's under the principle of sow and reap amen and then we need to understand that the intent of this series is we have to understand that under the principle of sow and reap, that there's two parts. That's a two-part principle, sow and reap. And if you sow and you have not gotten a harvest, that means that the, the principle sow and reap, is something has stopped it from working. Because it is a two-part, and if you sow, there must be a harvest. You got that it's very important you There must be a harvest if there's not a harvest, this simply means that the principle was not in effect. It was not in effect. but then we put a definition on tithe we literally, literally in the Hebrew, the tithe means of ten, one tenth or ten percent. We gave the definition this way. we said it's one tenth of all legally. Incoming cash, whether earned or unearned, whether it's your paycheck or someone gives you money or whatever or whatever way that you get it, earned or as long as it's legal earned or un- unearned is the tenth part that must be and it and, and it has to be legal and it must be cash. everybody say cash it must be income and let let me it does not it does not confine you again to a paycheck because that's all we want to tithe off is a paycheck but it doesn't confine us there is any incoming cash whether earned at work or unearned, someone gave to you. You have to get that in your mind and keep it there. Amen. You get, you know, if someone gives you a gift, 10% of that belongs to and must be counted to you as dead. No, I don't bother that. And see, you have to count it dead in your heart. You have to count it dead in your heart. You have to say, this I already know. It's not even something I have to think on and say, oh, what I want to do, I really have to talk. You count it dead in your heart. It's a set aside for the service of the Lord. We said that the tenth belongs to and must be returned to the Lord. It belongs to, it's never yours, get that in your head. We also understand that it is the first fruit, that which must immediately separate from our heart and separate it from our possession. So not only am I separating it in my heart, for you to understand that it's not mine, I separate it from my possession. I make sure that it's given. It's away from me. It's, not, it's going away because it's not, not mine. We understand the tithing is not something that we sacrifice. It's not, let me tell you, it is not a painful sacrificial thing that you do. Now, some people say, oh, God, oh, this is killing me. i got to tie. Well, it's not a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice. It isn't a cursed thing, but it's not a sacrifice. And when I say a curse thing, it's in the heart of the believer of what it's a curse to, because it could be a cursed thing when it means that. It means it's for a specific specific reason. You can have a cursed thing and say, you know, uh, well, it's for the use of God. Which that is what the tithe is. So I can do nothing else to it. It's it's a curse for only that. Are you following me? Now you can. I mean you could. It, it's set aside in your heart which accursed thing that that it is. It's, it's three uh, uh, components to that. Now you can even have a curse meaning it's set aside for the Lord. You can have a, a curse uh, meaning that it's a displeasure to the Lord. Now you don't want it to be a displeasure to the Lord. You don't want that. You don't have to have that. You you know what? Free yourself of that dime on a dollar. You must free yourself from that. Are you with me? You you have to set it aside for the Lord, understanding that. And you need to understand that if it's for a particular time, that's what it's for. So you understand that. Just get that down in your mind. Get that down in your heart. don't let it leave you. don't let it run away. Go back and listen to these other other lessons. Just keep listening to them until it gets down and seeps down and stay in your heart. Either way, the tide fits in one of these, and how it fits there again is determined how you purpose in your heart you can make it a bad thing you can make it what it's supposed to be you can make but it's your heart that's going to make it what it is the purpose of the tithe we says is to finance the kingdom and to seek and save that which is lost and also to give God an avenue to supply the spiritual and financial needs of the tithes god is setting us up for something that is god's plan god has set this in motion in god's plan is this is a provisional deal for you i'm going to provide for you all i want you to do again the money is not a seed the seed is your obedience i want you i want you to show me you can obey amen so this is the way we started the series we thought that it was very important to get the principle correct. We have understand, you know, we had to understand that the tithe is is a law that falls up under the principle of sowing reap. We dealt with that. And we got the principle correct. We understood where it stood. Now, it produces, now, when we, we find out that when it produces, it does not fall up under stewardship. And most people, even theologians, they think that the tithe falls up under stewardship, but it does not. It does not. But Stewardship is totally different. It does not fall up under that principle. I don't want you to do it. And I don't care how many degrees they have. I don't care about any of that. According to the Word of God, it doesn't fall up under the stewardship category. Then we spent a considerable amount of time On how the tithes work within the principle, meaning it gives us supernatural insight. You all remember that. Supernatural harvest. Supernatural fulfillment. It's gonna, it's gonna give you a fulfillment when you practice what the word says. Then we took it from the perspective of what, what defiles the, the tithe. And we dealt with that last week. What defiles the tithe? That's, that, that is what causes not to Work in my life, or for not for me to get the, the full benefits, to not reap maximum harvest. We want maximum harvest, maximum uh, benefits from the tithe. That when we drop it in the offering plate, every time it is due, our first fruits, we, we, we want to maximum maximize what's going to happen, the harvest. Because once you sow, Again, not the money, in obedience to what God has said, now a harvest is coming. Are you with me? We dealt with disobedience into the laws of God. And we discovered that there are more than one kind of law that God ordained. More than one kind that God himself has ordained. He ordained the spiritual law and he also ordained the natural law. And he enacted both laws. Listen, he enacted both laws, and they are equally as important to God that we obey the spiritual and that we obey the natural. And disobedience in either of these could defile your tithes. when you disobey in the spiritual or the natural law. It could defile your tithes. We dealt with that. We also discovered that there are civil laws. Remember last week. And religious laws, counting the religious laws that that are put in the, uh, for discipline in the church. Those are spiritual laws that are put in there. You know, people get get upset when when you put different laws in the church. Oh, well, who do they think they are? Who do they, I remember? Our I founding pastor, he put different things out. Well, who do he think he is, or who do you think? Well, I'm gonna put something down, and you're gonna say the same thing. Who does she think you is? But it's for the discipline of the church. Are you following me? They're enacted by man, but they are ordained by God. Did you hear me? They're put in place by man, but they are ordained by God. Amen? Making them just as important and binding as those that God enacted himself. It's binding. so, So that means when you go against the authority that's laid down, you're going against God because God is just like he enacted it because he ordained it. Are you following me? That's why you be very, very careful of how you deal with those that are in authority and those that put things in authority because you're actually going against God because God ordains the authority. It, it, it doesn't matter what you do or don't like. That's not that, that's not the issue here. It, and just like it is on your job, it's no issue whenever something comes down from the head I don't care how much you don't like it or whatever. If you want your job, you just say, you know, you might voice that you don't like it, but you do it. Why? Because it has come from authority. Because they probably see something you don't. Amen? Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 13 that all laws are ordained of God. Now let's move to our subtitle today. We're through with that information. Let's go into the new information. The, the, for this morning, let, now, let's go into the new information. And I want you to fasten your seatbelt because I am going to take my time. This might be in two parts because I'm not going to rush it because I want you to get it. Because I want your life to change and I want you to be successful. Subtitle this particular uh, teaching, Purifying the 90%. Purifying the 90%. Purifying it. And put, put it this way. Purifying the 90% with the 10%. So you can understand it better. Purifying the 90% with the 10%. Now here we're going to transfer principles. The tense falls upon the sowing reap. But now we're gonna transfer principles because we're going into the now we're gonna we're going into the nineties, so we're gonna transfer it because we're gonna talk about proper distribution. Everybody say distribution. That's what we're gonna be talking about. So the ninety percent, and it and that's which that's what we're gonna be talking about, it's going to go up under the spiritual principle of stewardship. So now we've gone away from sowing and reap and we're going into stewardship. Now listen, we don't have stewardship over the tithe. I have to say it again. Stewardship is that which you can make godly decisions about. But the tithe, the decision has already been made so you have no you can't make any decisions about that you uh, you immediately separate that from your possession it's already been it's already been told what to do but stewardship now you're coming into where i need to learn to make godly decisions but the 90% there comes an accounting and a stewardship principle that we should exercise over it and accounting and a stewardship principle that we should exercise over them so this means that if it falls under the principle of soul I mean of stewardship that means right here it's governed that means all of a sudden right now my 90% is governed and when i say governed it means that it is controlled by the principle of stewardship. Please write it down. It is governed. So my 90%, you mean to tell me I can't do what I want to with it? Well, you have been all of this time. I'm saying that if you want to get the full benefit from the 10, you let that 90% that's left from you be governed or controlled by the principle of stewardship. Are you with me? You got to follow. You got to understand teaching. Line upon line, precept upon precept. So that you can grab it and you can understand it. Now listen, we don't have... Listen, we do not have stewardship over time. I keep wanting to say that because somebody still thinks that they're going to put that there. No. You can't put that there. So, it has to be governed means that it's controlled by the principle of stewardship or by the laws and statutes that we're going to find under the spiritual principles of stewardship. There's going to be laws, There are going to be statutes that's under the guidelines of stewardship. This is what you're going to govern your 90% by. I'm telling you, if you will get this message, your financial situation will change. I know it's going to sound... Like, it's no way I can do that. It's no way. Oh my God, I, it's no way. No, never say never. God is in the midst. Just all you have to do is follow it. See, if you don't put it, how do you know this? If, if anything, how do you know you have faith until you operate in it? You just look at it and say, I can't do it. No, you have to try it. That's what I tell my grandson. He was like, I can't do it. Yeah, try. You have to first try so how do you say you have faith and you're not willing to even put these things into practice? You have to be able to do that. Amen. We must know that, that this specific, uh, the, uh the principle of stewardship, this is not like a dangling participle, just something out there. This is a controlled thing. Now, and this is coming after you have brought your tithe. Or paid your tithes in the sense that you owe it because you was hold that was God's and you gave it you gave it back. Don't act like you're giving them something out of your stewardship. No, this is after you have already brought your tithe. Now, once you do that, after you well the tax is automatically taken out. You've taken your tithe and then you look at what's left and you say woohoo! Look what I have left. Let me go and do this, that, and other. That's uncontrolled. That's uncontrolled. And God is saying, Nope, I want it controlled by the principle of stewardship so that you can get the full benefit. Are you with me? So we want to see what God has to say about it. The 90 must be handled in the same way that you handle the 10th. Just hold it. The 90 must be handled in the same way that you handle the tithe we must handle it first of all with a clean heart see when you handle the tithe it has to be a clean heart you have to have clean hands that means you can't be doing and dabbling into everything and 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 think that I can take these hands and 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 do all kind of wrong things with them and then take those same hands and put tithes in Did I, I I said that you have to handle it with a clean heart, clean hands. You got to, your hands have to be clean. Your heart has to be clean. It's amazing how people don't understand that this has everything to do with the tithes and your offerings, everything to do with the 10th and the ninety. Are you with me? It must be handled the same way. Clean hands, clean heart. Your heart must be pure toward God. We must handle it clean hands. Your hands must be instruments of righteousness, doing the right things, not instruments of unrighteousness, not going to all the wrong places, doing or touching the wrong thing, doing all kind of wrong things. No. That means I cannot do whatever I want to do, listen with my hands in unrighteous ways, and then come to God and take that same hand that I've been doing all wrong and put the tithes and offering in the bucket and expect a full benefit from it. Now, right there have knocked a bunch of people off that you can see why you haven't been getting your full benefit. Because see, p- some people think you can live any kind of way. As long as I tithe, God is going to bless me. And see, I want you to get that mentality, mentality out of your heart Because then, when you're not getting blessed, then you're blaming God that the tithes don't work. Or that the offering of stewardship doesn't work. You see, you well, still got this and this. You still got, you doing all of this and this and that going on. Well, you're doing it with dirty hands. Your heart's not right. You, listen, now this, this, this ought to help you and it'll let you know that it's, it's been all wrong. You cannot tithe with unforgiveness in your heart and think you're going to get full benefits. You won't. That's why, why do you think God has dealt with us over and over again? Get it all out. Get it out. You you know, I don't care who made you mad. I don't care who made you sad. Get it out. Get, get. You know what? And please get out all the anger at God. Some of you doing all that and mad at God the whole time. Gotta have those clean hands, clean heart. Handle it with the same hands. The same heart that you're doing with the tithe. And, and if you're handling both, that's why you're in the financial bind that you're in now. Well, now, in the same way, it can defile the 90%. It must be handled, again, with clean hands, clean hearts. And you must handle it with the proper motivation. Have the proper motivation of why you tithe. That is, the atmosphere around it must be one of unselfishness. Get the selfishness, unselfishness out. So listen, this would this this when we bring the tithe with clean hands, clean hearts, and proper motivation, that attitude of unselfishness is out. At that instant. Listen, I'm telling you, if all of that is in place, my heart's right, my hands are clean, I got the proper motivation, I don't have any unforgiveness. The moment you put it in the bucket, instantly, everybody say instantly. Instantly that thing is on point. Right then it is purified, it is ready to bring you a harvest. Because you've done the things that was necessary You've you've operated in the principles properly. At that instance, that you put the tithe in the bucket properly, according to the will of God, the 90 is left over, and at that instance, it becomes pure, listen, let me tell you what the 90 is coming, After after you have done the tithe, Instantly, your 90 becomes pure, it becomes holy, and it becomes undefiled. Boom, there it is. Because I've done everything right with the tithe. So now, with with the 90, uh, it has already been made, what did I say? Pure, holy, undefiled, and incorruptible to the devil. I'm telling you, right, listen, that is powerful. Now it shows you... That, what did I say? We're finding out how the, to purify the 90 with the tenth. Once I have done the tenth, instantly my 90% becomes good. That means I'm not going to lack. This 90% is going to take care of everything that God is going to tell me to take care of. It becomes pure, holy... Undefiled and incorruptible to the devil, you're ninety percent. That means all of a sudden, Malachi three ten and eleven becomes real. It becomes it it, it, it materializes in your life. All of a sudden, boom, nine and ten. You go back and read it. Ten and eleven is real. It's alive. That is that windows of heaven that has been opened up. In the area where you need it to open up. See, we're like, oh, I need this to happen, I need that. God said, I want those windows open, and this is how you get them open. So that God can now pour you out, even on the 90%. See, now that's good news. That God, you mean to tell me you'll open the windows on my 90 So I'll know how to get the full benefits from it, If I would just put the tithe in right, just the tent in right, it instantly makes my 90, brings it into a place where it's holy and undefiled and incorruptible to the devil. Father, I need this. Somebody ought to say, I need this in my life. He can pour out of the windows of heaven upon me. Not only that, the devil has been rebuked. He's been, Now, let me tell you, it's one thing when people say, I rebuke the devil. Well, you, you, you know, most of them are saying that with defiled hands and unforgiveness, so that don't mean nothing. But he said, he will rebuke the devil. Now, that took it to a whole other level. That makes you where well, you don't even want to hear nobody talking about what they rebuke, because you don't know where their hands been. You don't, but he didn't leave it to chance. He said, I'll rebuke the devil for your sake. All because of the tenth. See, I'm telling you, this goes far beyond money. Oh, I love this. He will rebuke the devourer. My 90% that I have left cannot be eroded. My fruit or my plan cannot be preempted. Before the time, not prematurely, none of that can happen when you're doing it right. God is not a man that he should lie. Nothing is going to happen, the devil can't preempt you. But guess what, this is what you must understand. And how many times have we said in this ministry, never forget you have an enemy. Do you know these principles the enemy knows? He knows more, he knows, he knows it well. He knows if you do exactly what, see, somehow we forget that Lucifer was the top angel. He was, he know, he knows a lot of things that you don't know. He was closer than Michael and Gabriel. He was top angel. He was, oh, he covereth the seat. He was right there. As a matter of fact, the Bible said he was the most beautiful. See, we think Lucifer is the devil, but actually that was a godly name he was given. The devil is what he was given afterwards, but as Lucifer, he was held high. He knew all. He was closer to God than anybody in heaven. Any of the, any, any of the angels? Any of them. He was that. He was so popular and he was so light or loved in heaven that he took a third with him. You don't go with somebody you don't care about. You go with somebody that you admire. You go with somebody that, that, that you, uh, follow. You better get this. But God said, because know this, God created Lucifer, the angel. He is not opposite of Jesus. He's not opposite of God. He has no power concerning God. And God says, I'll rebuke him for you. Hmm. Every plan that you make, no matter what he comes to try to preempt or try to destroy, I will kill it. He can't do it. That means every plan that you've made, whatever you plan for six months from now, three months from now, it's coming into fruition. Why? Because I put my tithe in with a clean heart, clean hands, and the right motivation. And I understood that I obeyed God in that area. So you understand that at that moment, That you do that, 90 is pure, holy, undefiled, incorruptible by the devil. So now that we have that in in position, remember this. You know how often, how very often we sin and how quickly we sin. See, be aware. See, you have to be aware of your surroundings and what you're doing and how you're thinking. How often and how quickly we sin. So now that we have it there, the moment we receive it, immediately, immediately. Because see, once you get the 10 is out and you got the 90, now you can, uh, uh, sin is saying, okay, well, let's do this, let's do that, let's do, and before you know do it, now it's time, I gotta consecrate it. Before I spend a dime of it, I gotta consecrate it. I'm giving you steps. You had better be writing them down. You had better listen to this. You got to consecrate it to put it in the service of the Lord. Father, I consecrate this 90 and I put it into your service. Let me tell you how you consecrate your percentage. Four things to do after you get paid and remove your tithe from your possession. Then immediately you hold it up before the Lord. And you say, Lord, number one, I put it in your service. I put this 90% in your service. Number two, you say, Lord, I make the 90% that I have stewardship over, I make it subject to the principles of God. I'm going to make it subject to it. In other words, God, I'm going to obey your principles as it relates to how I make distribution of this 90% that you have left in my care. Third thing, you say, Lord, I want to set this aside for a sacred purpose. When I say set it aside for a sacred purpose, watch this. As a believer, how many of you bless See, we we do it all the time. How many of you bless your food? All the time. We uh, oh we got some outlandish prayers. Father bless this. Father bless it. Father get all the calories out. Father I mean just all kind of foolishness that we can add in prayer. But we pray over those things. Well the same thing you must do over the ninety Consecrate it. And in this day and time you better pray over your food because you don't know what kind of hands have been handling it. But you do the same thing with the 90% that's left over. After the tithe, we consecrate it in prayer. We pray over that money. We set it before the Lord. And we ask God to bless it. Father, bless this 90%. Now remember, when God blessed those... See, if you go back and think. Remember when God blessed the five loaves? And them few little fish? You know what happened to it. So you hold that up to the Lord. And you say, God, because I, you know, I want you to bless it. I'm putting it in your service. I'm not going to distribute anything right now because I want it to go up under your guidelines, up under you, because you're going to make, you're going to show me how all of this is supposed to work. You need to learn to work the word. The four things you want to do is confess before the Lord. You confess, Lord, not one cent of this will be used in a manner that will not glorify you. Not one cent. Not even a penny. Father, What of this 90%, not one cent will be used that won't glorify you. Those four things you need to do immediately after you have tied and you have your 90% consecrated. I ain't buying cigarettes with it. I'm not giving it to my children so they can buy cigarettes with it or whatever they're going to buy. If you know that, listen, if you know that your children are in sin, why would you give them money? Why would you give money to them? And especially those that you have living with you. Maybe you have children living with you. And you know they intend, look, what do they need money for? They got a roof over their head and food in their mouth. They don't need any money. Oh, yeah, I figured it would get that quiet. See, whenever you start talking about children and money, then everybody gets it. But God has something to say about this. I'm going to prove, let me tell you, it might not all be proved out in this message, but as we go on with this, everything is going to be proven out by the Word. You don't just give them money and you know they sin. You know what they're going to do. And you have to say, nope, not one cent. Not even one cent. You're the steward over it. You know what your children are doing and you give them money anyway. Mm-mm. Feed them, sleep them. But don't give them your money. It ain't nothing wrong. You know, if you're broke, you're broke. But I'm not giving you my money. They got the house. They got the food. Mm-mm, don't need no money. Especially if they're not doing right with it. See, that's different when they're not doing right with it. Now go with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, run over there. Now in Acts chapter 4, here's what we're going to find. I have to substantiate these things by scriptures. We're dealing here with the early church. Never say the first church because there's nothing but one church. There's no second church, there's no third church. There's the early church, but we're still the church. So in this passage of scripture, we're dealing with the early church. Now, this is where the chur- when the church came together, and the early days of the church, the early church, they had all things common. And this is where God's been trying to get Church of the Living Water to be. Oneness. All things common. Now, when I say that, it doesn't mean we all have the same house, we all like the same color. Let's not be childish. We're talking about common when it comes to spiritual things. All things common. Let's start at verse thirty two. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Notice that the New Testament that does not deal with percentages. And the reason why it doesn't is because why would he have to come back and repeat what's already established? Because remember, he said, for his tithing goal, remember Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. So I don't have to keep coming back and telling you the same thing over and over. That stands. I came to fulfill it. So you're not, no, you're not gonna find that there because he's not talking about, you know, he's talking about things that matter. You getting into heaven. Because he's, he's thinking that you have enough sense to understand that's already been established. Are you following me? You don't have to hear that over and over again. So, he stated earlier that he did not come to destroy it, but to fulfill. So the subject is that you know what the law of God is as it relates to the tithes. I didn't destroy it, I'm come to fulfill it. And what he's saying is, I'm about to take you to another level of high finance. Ooh, now see, that's good. When God takes you to another level of high finance, you ought to be listening. And I don't care, listen, and I don't care how organized you are, you better listen to God's high finance. Are you following me? We're going to talk about what to do after you have had, listen, after you have had one in compliance with that, what God has said, because you are that generation, understand this, you are that generation that lives under the dispensation of grace. There's a difference. And you have, and the difference is that you have a better covenant. <laughs> now, listen to what I didn't say. I didn't say you had a different covenant. I said you have a better covenant. Additions. A better covenant than they did in the Old Testament. Follow me. Because in the Old Testament, the only channel, listen, in the Old Testament, the only channel that God had was the channel of tide. But in the New Testament, where everything belongs to him, see, all of a sudden when, you, when we start talking about everything belongs to him, the ten, the dime on the dollar started looking good. Because actually, everything belongs to him. Now, God has a channel then to flow through us, not only supernatural blessings, not only from the tithe, but also from the 90. Because it all belongs to me, so I'm going to bless you with the 10th, and I'm going to bless you with the 90 I'm going to show you how to work it, so that you will not suffer lack. So that you can be benefit from everything that the tithe is producing. Amen? I'm telling you, God is trying to show us everything that we need to know. Old Testament, only channel was the tithe. The New Testament, we got the 90 and the tithe that God can bless us through. So then the law of the tithes was left intact. Now watch this here in in, in in Acts chapter four. Listen this again. This is the early church when we when you actually take up the after after you take after the tithes after the tithes has been taken up. Excuse me, and you there has to be a harvest in it. There must be a harvest. Remember, it's up under the principle of sowing reap. Now here's the early church handling, now when when we're reading this, understand this, the church, the early church is handling the harvest. The tithes have already been in, they're already in, they've already brought the tithes. Now they're handling the harvest, not the tithe, they're not handling the tithe, they're handling the harvest. Again, tithes have already been brought, already been paid. Because if that was not so, there would not have been a harvest. Remember, it's two parts. There would not have been a harvest if there was no tithe. Acts 4, let's, let, let's go to verse 33. And when the great power gave the apostle witness... Of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. I like the good grace. That grace, that is the omnipotent power of God. I love the omnipotent power of God. Working on your behalf. On the behalf of the believer. The omnipotent power of God. This grace in the Greek is the believer's sufficiency. It's your sufficiency. It's set there. That's beautiful. God, it's the sufficiency in everything right here is set there. Because why? The grace. <laughs> you could say, in the sufficiency of God was upon them all. You could read it that way. Without even changing the scriptures. The sufficiency of God was upon them all. That's what God is trying to get us. That's the sufficiency of all of us. Not just some of us. Not just some of us. And see, I was listening to the minister this morning. I'm like, yes, because people think, because their parents live one way, they can do the same thing. Not so. I have seen people, I have seen people try to be Sister Martin. And I'm like, stop it. You, you're not just going to do it because somebody else is doing it. Or you can look, like he said, you can look at somebody else and like, oh, I want to marry like that. Well, it takes work. Okay, I want to stay home. Well, is it yeah, but did you marry right where you can stay home? If you did everything backwards, I'm going to tell you, you need to work. Because everything is off. Everything is off. Don't act like it's all on. It's not. It doesn't work that way. And you don't have, let me tell you, you're not special that it works for you. No. Anytime you're doing everything backwards, everything backwards come along with it. Maybe you don't see it right now, but it will. Those of you that are not married, you had better be listening. Everything that glitters is not gold. And people let you see what they want you to see. They want let misery love company. They like get in it, you see we happy, and get home and they don't even talk to each other. All because you do things backwards. You know. To have yourself prepared. Are you? Let me tell you. If not, you're going to be coming to your parents for every little thing, and that's because everything's backwards. Or are you are going to be trying to do any and everything, just trying to make up for the deal? But everything is backwards. Okay, we're not going to. We're not going to stay there. We're going to. We're going to move on. I know you like. Ooh, don't even talk about that. Okay, I won't. But it nevertheless is true. Amen. Where was I? I was in uh, verse 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands and houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according to as he had need. Everybody will say distribution again. Distribution. Say it again. Say it again. And I'm having you say this because this is very important in what's about to come up next. Distribution. Now, I want you to understand distribution because the word distribution is essential. It's essential. What does essential mean? That it's a, it, without it, then the whole principle doesn't work. It's essential for the information that you're going to hear. Listen to me. So say distribution one more time. I want that buried down in your heart. And I want it buried down in your consciousness. Distribution. Because we're going to be talking about distribution. As a matter of fact, we'll be talking about uh, you making distribution of that which you have stewardship over. Which is the nine. What God leaves in your hands to exercise judgment over. God said, "Now, now, you've already. Let's say you've already prayed, you've already consecrated, lifted up to God, you asked Him to bless it, you told Him you're not going to put a sin on it that, that that's ungodly. You've done all of those things. Here we find in Acts chapter four that they had all things common. Now, watch this, and let me caution you about something. The method of comp- uh, um, of compliance with this principle, the." the of them having all things in common, we gotta, we gonna, we gonna make sure that we understand that. Because in their deal, this is their culture. We don't do that now. Let me tell you, if everybody would sell their houses, nobody does that. Well, some idiots may, but most people won't just sell their houses, all their houses and all their belongings, and come and lay them at my feet. Or any man's feet. That's why it never ceases to amaze me. People running up putting money at the feet of ministers and all that. Let me tell you. That when you for me when that goes on or if people would do that. We would be deemed a cult. You bringing everything everything to me and letting it at my feet. We're talking about that's not the culture we live in. So that's not right to do. I know some of you ministers don't like that because you want somebody to come and do it. But I'm going to tell the truth. That is not right. That's not our culture. And this principle altered from culture to culture. That was their culture. In our culture, we don't do such things. God, listen, God... Fully expects us to keep the spirit of this law but not that natural thing that's done he said the spirit of it yes or the spirit of the principles oh amen so then the custom change and the law change follow me if you will to Romans chapter 13 go over to Romans chapter 13 now we're going to look at one verse of scripture down here Romans 13 and 7 I'm going to go on with it get there Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. That means pay taxes where taxes is due. In other words, we we will respect the culture and the tradition of the land. So you have taxes, you have to pay them. Because we respect the land that we live in. Are you following me? See, you must understand if you read the life of Jesus, if you really just go and read it, he had respect for the culture and the cult of uh, the uh, the culture and the custom in the time that he lived. That's why he told him go catch a fish, go pay it. He did everything according to the land. He did not just defy it. He didn't do everything opposite it. I'm not paying no taxes because I'm a pilgrim walking through. I'm not no. You're going to jail. Now the only time that he now the only time that Jesus ran into conflict with the customs or the culture, it was was when it was conflicting with the word. But not just natural laws that they had. Because God ordains all laws. And we have a responsibility to society. That if we live in this, in this land. We have to obey the customs. The culture of our time. So that we can stand. You know we don't want to stand out as a bad witness. Saying we love God and we're doing everything opposite of what the law is saying. Amen? So then here is when, what I'm saying. In Acts chapter 4, the method of compliance is that, that's not practical for us. Nobody's gonna do that. Nobody's gonna sell all their stuff and bring it and set it at my feet or any minister's feet. That would be wrong. You wouldn't and shouldn't do that. Why? Because in this culture, in the culture and the custom of the area that we live in, our church would be deemed, oh my God, just like some of them should be deemed that now. I don't care who they are and I don't care how popular they are. I don't care how big and make of their ministry is. They are just wrong. And I know you won't hear it because my ministry is not as big as theirs, but it doesn't even matter. Let me tell you, that's your stumbling block right there. Right there. Amen. Now, we don't want to be a bad witness. We don't have to be. Now, the implications and the spirit of the law is still binding to us. The spirit of this law is still binding to us. Being in one accord, in one place, and making sure that everybody, none, suffer lack. And the implications, write it down, number one in Acts chapter 4, having all things in common as a believer, is that we must have all things in common. That's why we have to be in the world. We must have all things in common. That is, we should have common vision, common goals, and common objectives. When it comes to the things of God. We should have common vision, common goals, and common objectives. Number two, all that we have belong to God. Which means that even though you have brought the tithe, your 90 still belongs to God. And it's under a spiritual principle. That means that it is governed and guided by the principles of God. you got to let God guide you, your 90, by his principles. He's going to give you principles to operate in so that you can get the full benefit of the 10th of the with the 90. Are you following me? So... All of it belongs to God. Number three, it means that none of us should suffer lack. That's the implication. None of us should suffer lack. Now, I want to tell you something here. I believe it. I believe it. I'll I'll never change. I'll never, ever change on this. When I look at the plan of God, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it is my profound belief. And I won't change from it. Is that? And I believe that it's the will of God that no born again believer that belongs to a ministry should be on welfare. Uh, the, the the country should not take care. We should take care of our own. You're a believer. And you're under a covering. I'm not saying, because see, people call all the time and they want you to, you know, can you pay rent for me? Can you do it? They're not even under covering. They're just looking for something. Some of them, they just want to blow their money and they want yours. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone that's in the ministry, that's faithful to the ministry, that belongs up under a covering, that's under, can, can, something could happen and they come on top. We should be able to take care of them. And it don't mean, because see, when, when now, and I'm going to tell you the way we did. I got this from our founding pastor, and it'll always be in place, even when I'm gone. It doesn't matter now. Once you need the help, we're not just coming and giving you our money. Now we're going to want to know your financial situation and why you got in that trouble. Because it's right to do. You're going to have to show us how you got in that trouble. Not just coming because you give that that deal every and anybody else this story coming for no reason spending their money any kind of way. The church is going to take care of me. That's not the way that works. Amen. You uh, again a born again believer being a member of a Bible believing church. <laughs> please get that. It is not the will of God for any member. That's living under the spiritual principles of God should be on welfare. Listen, once you become a child of the omnipotent God, you begin to live under the principles of God. You are not the state's responsibility, and I'll always believe that. My pastor believed that, and so do I. You you become the church's responsibility. People in our church is our responsibility. Did you hear me? People that belong to our church is our responsibility. Number four implication in chapter four is that we are no free, we're not free to do with the 90 percent what we choose. We are not. Having said that, here comes a little smile on my face, because look at your neighbor and said, "I don't think she's through." And we're about to get into something, right? We, 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 we got to get into this. Now, there's a budget for believers in the scripture. I know. Now, I'm going to show you a common budget in the scripture. That is a budget that every, every believer should strive to come into compliance with. Every believer, you need to start making your way to come into compliance with it. Don't just cast it off. When you hear it, don't say, oh, God, ain't no way, ain't no way. See, you won't even give God a chance to work things out in your life. You have to say, you know what, it's, this sounds really like I'm not going to be able to do it, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm believing God and I'm going to do this. Now I'm not able in this, just this sermon because it takes a whole series of this to do this, but I'm gonna give you a sermon and, and let you see that all the, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you the details this morning about the budget. Just the details. We'll get into the other things later, but just the details about the budget that you should have with the 90. Is God intends for us to lay down our own plans, when it comes to aligning, are you with me? Oh, you need to set some goals, set some objectives. Then he's saying, and if you do that and acknowledge me, I'm going to direct your path. He said, let your plans go, set some goals. Set some objectives. Now, in this season, this is very important. Because remember a few months ago, what God told us, get out of debt and save. And so, he's coming right back now and he said, let your plans go. Set you some goals. Set you some objectives. And he said, then I'll direct your path. Now, if you brought your tithes according to the plan, that is, with clean hands, Clean hearts, proper motivation. You've done all of that. God said, I'm going to make every plan and goal that you make, I'm going to make it come into fruition. Now, you, 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 you did you hear that? All of that with the tide got to be right. Not just throwing it in the bucket and doing that. Not throwing it in the bucket and then being nasty to somebody and being just the wrong heart toward, uh uh-uh. uh. You can't do that. It makes your tides fall on the vine. You won't get the full benefit. It's after you've had a clean hand, clean heart, proper motivation. Then God said, I will make sure every plan of yours come into fruition. So now when I put in the tide, I don't just throw it in, I'll make sure... What did I do? Did anything that's not clean and not right about me? Because I'm not, I, I'm putting this in with a purpose. Because this works. Check yourself. So, what I'm about to teach you is entirely possible to do. Did you hear me? It's, it, you, it can happen. I'm, 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 I'm telling you before I start teaching it, you can do it. Don't say you can. Look at your neighbor and say, I can do it. Now, the first thing is the distribution category. Number one. Now, we've already put it. Okay, let's say what we've done. We've put our tie. We've brought our tie. We clean hands, clean heart, proper motivation. We put it in. We got the rest of the 90% from our check or whatever someone's given us or whatever. And now we consecrate it to the Lord and say, Father, bless it. Father, not one cent of it is going to be sent for anything that's ungodly. I'm not spending it on those things that are not right. Father, I consecrate this to you. I get, uh, and for your service. I want your direction on it. I want your, I want your leading and guidance on my 90%. And he said, okay, now that you have that, before you do anything, let me tell you what I want you to do first with that. See, because when we say put it in God's service, the first thing everybody think of is, oh, what do they mean? Do they want all the money just bring it to church? Well, do you know God's service is more than just the church? What are they going to do with all the money for God? See, it's because you didn't wait. First thing God said I want you to do is pay your obligations. In case you don't know what they are, let me put it another way. The first thing God said with the 90, now that it's purified, it's holy, and it's set apart, and I'm going to give you the principle: pay your bills if you don't know what obligations are. He said that's number one with the 90. You pay your bills. That's the first thing you have to do. Starting to distribute the ninety. You pay your obligations. Look at somebody and say, "I have to pay my bills." You, you you just have to do that. That first. You don't go buy toys first. You don't go and spend it. You don't stop at Target first. Or Walmart, you don't do any of that. For, see, uh, these are just little things that just tearing you up, and you can't see it. Oh, I've been needing some shoes. Not yet. First, pay your bills. Don't touch a cent to do anything else but pay your bills. Look at verse. Uh, are you in Romans chapter eight? Or did I tell you to go to Romans chapter 8? Go to Romans chapter 8. Oh, uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Verse, uh, Romans 13. I'm sorry. Verse 8. I'm sorry. That was me. In verse 8 it says, O no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Well, it is amazing that he put love there. One, he said, love one another. Why did he put love one another with, oh, no man? He put that in the same verse. Because if a man owes and a man don't pay, love goes. So he said, love one another and owe no man. So he said, keep love intact. In other words, don't owe your brother and ask him to love you. And you've asked, just say, for example, you say, you know, you go to your brother, you go to your sister, or something, and they loan you money. And you've made an agreement that they, you know it's a loan. They didn't give it to you, they loaned you money. You said, you know, oh, this, 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 for example, you went to your brother or sister, and you said, Could you loan me $1,000? And they say, yes. You say, well, okay, I'll bring it, I'll give it back to you in two weeks. Two weeks come. No $1,000. But you gave them the time that you would have it back. See, this is what makes love go. (laughs) Because they're saying, now, you owed me that and you told me when you were going to pay it. See, it, it never—it behooves me when people tell you the time they're going to pay it, and something always come up that they got to push it back a little further, and push it back a little further. That's why God says, "Love one another," because you're going to need it. And I'm not talking about sinners, believers. But God is saying keep love intact. In other words, don't owe your brother and ask him to love you and then you don't pay your loan back. You must pay your obligations. Don't act like you forgot nothing either. You haven't. You need to go back and think now on everybody what you owed and did you pay. Because they haven't forgot. When you say you don't, when he say "Oh no, man," he simply means pay your obligations. And we're going to deal with these three things under number one. We're going to look at fixed contractual obligations, acquired contractual obligations, and then over obligations. I hear some of you now say, ooh, that third one sounds like me. Well, yeah, but God's going to help you with that. We're going to deal with fixed contractual obligations, acquired contractual obligations, and over-obligations. Let's start with fixed contractual obligations. First of all, we say this about fixed and acquired. Each may be entered into by these two ways. These ways, listen to me. First of all, we can enter into a fixed or, con- or acquired obligation by a written contract. Most of us know it like buying a house or whatever. Well, that's a written contract. And it got a lot of stipulations in it. And you have to sign a lot of things. You, you know, all those things. Most of us are familiar with that. You know, a house or a car. You sign a written contractual agreement, and it is legal and is binding, with all types of stipulation, especially buying a house. The next, which is very ap- applicable for uh, to our culture, our custom, and our custom is the plain verbal contra- uh, uh, contractual agreement. Just verbal, where two people verbally agree to do something and they seal it with a handshake that's a do you know that's a binding contract you learn that in law school or you already have that is a i mean if you if you shake hands if somebody if you shake hands and said verbally that's what you're going to do then you you know what you need to you you held to that I like what the Bible says. The Bible said, when you made that verbal agreement and you shook heaven, all of heaven seen it. You shook hands, all of heaven saw that. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, let heaven and earth record this day against you. See, whenever you do something, it is it's recorded in the kingdom. Now there's a record of that handshake. There's a record of that verbal agreement. Where do you fit in? God saw you shake hands, or God saw you make that verbal agreement. Now, and let's just say you did silly with a handshake or whatever. Now you're taking those same hands and putting that tithe in. And you're not even, ab- you're not abiding by that agreement. Dropping it in the offering plate. Three weeks later, you haven't honored it. The person still doesn't have their thousand dollars, and you still tithing. You got the tithe trying to put it in the offering plate. It's dead. It's dead. Ooh, some of you are finding where you are. They it was recorded in the kingdom. Now that hand is illegal, unclean, and defiled. Why? Because it's trying to hold on to something that is undefiled and something that is defiled and is sold. Because it is trying to hold on to that no. See, this is where, I'm telling you, this is where you've been missing it. I know this is the part that you want to run, but you're at home, so you don't have nowhere to run. Run around the room and go sit back down. Watch this. Then we can enter into a contractual agreement by just a vow. A vow. A vow is an agreement that you make to God. Mm. We say... You know, let's let's just say, just like our white envelopes that we pledge, and everybody made a pledge. Listen, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, this is where you're missing it. You pledge, you could even say, Pastor, I pledge a hundred dollars, but I don't have it right now. But I have it in two weeks. In two weeks, come you never show. But if you said, I pledge whatever, forty dollars a a month or whatever on the white loaf when you said it that was a vow not to man man may have enacted it but God ordains authority and he ordains so it's done and it's, as far as God is concerned it's him who have said it it's him who has enacted it you cannot say if you were going to do that stop doing it and put your tithe in and it worked it's dead why? because now you have come out of your vow I like what Ecclesiastes said. He said, don't make a vow with your mouth that you can't pay. Because God's going to hold you to it. Not man. God's going to hold you to it. Oh, I forgot. God, It doesn't matter. God said, we they're there. there." I know you forgot. I'm not. You don't forget a vow you make to God. So if you're forgetting that vow, are you forgetting to live holy too? That vow you made, God, God, I probably, I'm living holy. Are you, are you shunning that one as well? I'm just trying to show you and get you a victorious life. I'm trying to show you the difference. I'm trying to show you that this works. And you have to work the word. And you can do this. You cannot make a vow. And not keep it. And then get ready to put an offering in the offering plate. Or your tithes in the offering plate. The Lord has said, hold it. What about that vow? I, it's no way you can make me believe that you forgot it and God never brought it to your remembrance. If God never brought it to your remembrance, then you don't have a relationship with God. Because he would bring it to you. Now, he may have brought it to your remembrance and you ignored it. Let's say it that way. Just say, I ignored it when God brought it. But he did. We're trying to get the maximum benefit out of the tithe. And if I don't tell you these things, you know, I don't want you to go away from here ignorant. Now, you might not like it or whatever, but you're not going to be ignorant of this. Too bad you're already here. You're not going to be ignorant of this. Look at your neighbor and say, C-O-L-W, you will will not be ignorant. You will not be ignorant. Now, you you can do what you want to do because God elects you. And we will too. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But you're not going to be ignorant of it, no. Now, a fixed contractual agreement is this. It's that kind of agreement that we enter into with because it is essential to life and it's unavoidable. You can have those type that it is essential and it is unavoidable. Now. In the area where we live, this is something that is very common, to our, that, that's essential to life. Everybody has to have a house to live in. And please don't get childish like, well, well I live in an apartment. I'm even not a house. It, listen, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a roof over your head. Don't, don't, just don't be silly because it doesn't matter. Everybody needs a roof over their head. Let me just say it that way because then we get all off into something that ain't nothing. But but we all have that in common. We all have that in common. We need lodging. We all need a place to live. That and that is unavoidable. <laughs> you got to have that. Even if you was homeless, I see them uh, now. I said, oh my God, have you seen them under the bridge? They even got tents. They need some. That's unavoidable. You got to have something, a roof over your head. Now, because most of us do not have money to go and just put cash on a house. Some of us may, but most of us don't. Just where you, you got $500,000 just laying around at home. $300,000 just laying around at home. And I can just go and just pay cash for it. Most of us don't. So we enter into a contractual agreement. Are you with me? And it is essential. It is unavoidable. Nothing wrong with it. Now, the acquired contractual agreement is an agreement where we enter into when we enter into it. It's totally different from the contractual agreement here. Because let me tell you now, it's not essential, but this one is. This is essential to life, but we deem it that, that it's just important and, it is, you know, you may strongly desire something. See, in this day and time, let's just put it this way. Let, let me give you one of the common things that everybody, everybody, everybody just, just want is a trusty automobile. I mean, that's important, we think. We think that it's important, you know, to do our daily, day, the day-to-day things that we have to do. And in our, in our time and in our culture, you know, we live in this fast-moving world. We need a car. If you feel that if you don't have a car, you just feel like you're being left behind. You've you got to have a car. See, we, we feel like, you know, we can't. But, no, but that's public transportation. Not, you don't just have to have a car. You do have to have a place to stay. But you don't really have to. But we feel like we do. I ain't catching no bus. I need a car. I got to have a car. But let me tell you something. Let me caution you about this. Fixed and unavoidable does not mean uncontrollable. Did you hear me? It does not mean uncontrollable. And I'm gonna stop right here because I I will go on into that, but that'll make you come back next week because God is gonna deal with you about every area. Did I did you, did you hear me? Fixed and unavoidable does not mean uncontrollable. You can control it. See, some of you will try to use, uh, you know you you can you some of you will try to use this teaching to manipulate. And say, well, you know, he'll say we need or he'll say we need a, a place to stay. So let's go out and buy a five hundred thousand dollar house, well, or three hundred thousand dollar house, or four hundred thousand dollar house, or a one hundred thousand dollar house, house. Well, the question I'm going to ask you is, do you make that kind of money to live in that kind of house? They'll give you anything you want. <laughs> They'll give you, it. you can't even afford it, and they know it. You got to know it. See, you think you're high-kicking and high, you you know, you got something going on, because they say, okay, we're going to give you $400,000. dollars you like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And and sometimes they'll even tell you, now, you don't have to use it all. But they know you are, because they know you're stupid. They'll say, you don't have to use it all. But you want to go to the tip, to the highest point of your budget that they know you can't afford. And you do too. Do you make three? Do you make that kind of money to buy a $400,000 house, a $500,000 house, a $300,000 house, a $100,000 house? Do you make the money? I like what the minister said this morning. Go, go, go on out there. you everybody. See, everybody get excited about buying a house. See, that's the big thing. Get in the house. I got a house. I got a house. Can you keep it? And I, and I love what he was saying. As a matter of fact, me and someone else was talking about that. I'm like, you ain't even got the taxes yet. <laughs> and, and guess what? Especially if you were used to living in an apartment or lived, used to living where you were renting and people would come fix your stuff, that's out you fixing it. And it costs just for the plumber to come by. He ain't even going to charge you. You know what? It's a 180 just to look. Not to even touch yet. Just to come look. But you're so excited. But guess what? Excitement to get you started won't be around in the end. And new don't last new long. Because guess what? When the house don't start coming in... New don't last new long. you be like, oh my God. Oh my God. And you know, And some people think because they got something brand new, nothing's going to break. Uh-uh. Most of the time, they done built it with cheap materials. And gave it to you because they know that you broke and you will buy it. And then all of a sudden, just a year, about six months in, everything starts falling apart. And guess who fix it? You. Your insurance, you. But everybody want to tell somebody like, like I really got something. I got a house. Oh my God. Any sinner can get a house. You know, you don't even have to get get, have good credit. And with the pandemic, they just handing them out. They just want to kind of stimulate the economy. You can go get one. Keeping it is the thing. But what what does the minister say? You got 30 years to keep that thing. And you... (laughs) And you're struggling now. But again, you take no counsel. You just jump out and do anything. Because, because I'm going to tell you one thing about a house. Some of you guys about to save you right now. they just like babies. They'll always be around. So if you don't get one now, don't worry. They ain't going nowhere. They keep building them. They keep building them. You're not going to be like, oh, if I don't get one now, they never going to have them. They're going to always have them. they just like daycare centers. they just like They're going to always have houses. Make sure you're ready for it. Because it's more to, even buying a car. Everybody thinks it's buying a car, it's just buying a car. When they get through getting, making you get all the tags, get all the tires, get all the batteries that's going, because no battery is for a lifetime. I got a lifetime battery. Have you noticed you have to take it back and get another one? Even the lifetime, you gotta take it back, cause ain't nothing, nothing made that's gonna last lifetime. They would go out of business if they have everything, but no. And then you gotta keep up with the car. You gotta get all changed. You gotta get this. You gotta get, keep it waxed. You gotta keep it clean. You gotta get the gas and you got it's more to it than just buying a pretty car. And guess what? It's even more to it than, and, than going and get it just because you can't afford it. I'm going to get near Bentley just because you can't afford it. You might can afford it, but is it right for you to do? Is what, what, what? But most people, they just, they just none. And let me tell you, and people will get you in that cross with you. Tell you what, you can do it. Go do it and go do it. But when you get caught up in it, they ain't going to be no way around. Because it's your bill. They're going to be like, don't call me. I got my own house payment. Don't call me with that. It's not as easy as it seems. You got, but now you're in agreement. You're in a contractual agreement. Now you're gonna pay that, or they're coming and get it. You know what you end up with trying to save it? Call roommates. Oh, I need to get somebody in here too to help me. You know, you pay this, you pay that, you pay. If you have to do that, let me tell you, if you have to do that, you couldn't afford it. You couldn't afford it. If you need somebody to help you pay it, you couldn't afford it. Why did you do it? You couldn't. And let me tell you, and I don't know anything about your business one way or the other, so I don't know, I'm just saying what God said. Did you ask God? You ask everybody but God. Everybody but God. But, hey, as my niece my niece said, hey, owning a home is overrated. All my bragging rights, I done got rid of all that. That ain't nothing. I got a home. That, all them bragging rights, it only lasts about this long. Because the bills will make you say, listen... It's not all it's cracked up to be. And there's nothing wrong with it. It means be responsible and be ready for it. Don't go doing something because somebody, like the minister said this morning, because somebody else did it. And don't go try to rush and do it because you think that's going to make you look a certain way and all it's going to do is get you in a trap. Be patient. And get yourself situated and get yourself lined up for it. Then do it. Then you're going to do it the right way. Now, first start with tithing. So that God can make sure that you increase, not because of money, but because of obedience. And that you can get the full benefit so that your 90 will work for you. It's not about that dime on the dollar. It's purifying that 90 with the 10th, with obedience with the 10th, that made it where this 90 now is going to work for me. Where and we're going to find out next week, how is it working? How's, uh, because those type of things, you got to really, you gonna, because it's going to seem impossible. But everything always seems impossible for an undisciplined person. A disciplined person always sees the possibility even though it looks like it's a challenge, but I think I can do that. I can do it. because see, you, they they want to get into the challenge. But when you're undisciplined, everything. No, nah, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't. Um, God's like, well, that's my plan for you. That's my budget for you. You just put it in my service. I'm telling you how to use it. If you put it in the service of the Lord, He'll show you how to use it.